Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you break free from self-doubt, limiting beliefs and disempowering patterns, and break through to create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity so you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, can consistently reach your biggest goals. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others. Be sure to visit winnieanderson.com karma to get the show notes and worksheet for this episode. If you've worked hard to release your money story and you've continued to struggle, this episode will give you some interesting insight into what the problem might be. Remember, my guests and I aren't giving you professional financial advice. The information we're sharing is for educational and entertainment purposes only. If you need help, be sure to seek out a trained professional, whether it's a financial advisor, a tax professional, or a healthcare provider. That being said, like many of us in the helping professions, Abby Rohrer started out trying to heal her own issues. And as she did that, she discovered her calling and that things that helped her break free from a compulsive behavior pattern also helped her clients deal with what she calls money karma. Abby is a master healer, karma and anxiety expert with her own healing technology. She's also a certified big money business coach. She works with business owners and entrepreneurs to free them from money, sales, and success karma, as well as blocks and fears. She teaches people worldwide how to self-heal their karma and anxiety so they can achieve their dreams and thrive in business and in life. Listen in as Abby explains what money karma is and where it comes from, what she did to turn her relationship to sales around and how that changed her business for the better, where up to 80% of our blocks are located and the different ways we can frustrate ourselves in the sales process. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, Abby, I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited about our conversation. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I, can't, I can't wait. I've really been looking forward to having this conversation. So we're just gonna dive right in. Let's first of all start with your own journey and how you got to the specialty that you have and the focus that you have, the business you have, because I think that's really an interesting conversation. So, so tell us how you got to this point where you are a solo professional with the unique kind of practice that you have. <laughs> well, I, um, I jumped into my own business venture in 19, I'm sorry, in 2004. Okay. It was really before then, probably from 1994 to 2004. Well, we I have was, these stops and starts and stops <laughs> and starts, right? Right. So um, basically, I had experienced a transformational healing journey in the mid 90s, 1994, and from a compulsive behavior. And basically what happened is that a body of work poured out of me from that experience. And it was a self-help program to help other women around the world to heal the same challenge, which was compulsive hair pulling. Um, and 
it took, and then I began to write and I had developed a big program. It took me 10 years to find my audience and I finally found my audience on the internet in 2004 when I wrote an ebook. From that point, I, my healing work took another 15 years to come in. So I'm trying to give you that condensed version yeah. of this whole story. So I began to work with women around the world with this problem and to basically um, do my best to take them through as close as I could a similar journey that I had experienced. And I did that with a self-help program. And in two in 2000, sometime around 2007, 2008, I was running an online women's university program for this group of women. And I was on, I had remained on the healing journey myself because I wanted to get free from a lot of other things as well. And I was asking my spiritual guidance for better, faster ways of helping people to heal. I was a diehard self-help person. I was teaching self-help, and all of a sudden, I was intuitively gifted with an energy healing method. I didn't know what I had. I had been journaling one day. I started to um, be guided. I wrote down some things. I didn't know what they were. Um, a few days later, I was, um, I woke up in a real big pit of depression, like, the kind of depression, which was unusual for me then, the kind of depression where you feel like you have like 10 heavy wet woolen blankets on the top of your head. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I had all these tools. I had all these self-help tools. And I kept asking, okay, can I try this tool? Will this tool work? Will that tool work? And I got no, 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 no. And I finally just said, okay, does this have anything to do with what I, you know, what I got a couple of days ago as I was journaling? And I was, I got yes. And so I was guided very quickly through a process of just basically reading what I had gotten over. And I was instantly lifted out of this pit of depression. It was profound and shocking. Wow. Shocking to me. Um, and then I began to ask the women that I had been working with around the world. You know, I was at the time, it was, you know, over, I guess it was over Skype. I can't quite remember it over yeah, the phone. Yeah. And, um, and I started asking them, would you, you know, this happened to me. Would you like to experience it? Can, you know, can, are you open to me trying right. to see how this could work for you? And they said yes, and so I quickly found out that my what I had worked over distances. And while it wasn't, I don't call it a cure for compulsion, mm -hmm. it has, um, uh, it, it worked really well over distances for various things, uh, layers of emotional stuff, um, relationship stuff, etc. cetera. Um, while this was going on in my business, I was taken through a, probably a seven or eight year apprentice program inside my head with spirit where I learned, I was taken through various stages of um, how to heal this that kind of thing, 
So how to heal childhood issues was mm -hmm. first. And then I was taken through a long period of time of how to, how to heal karma. And then after that, I was taken through a long period of time of how to heal anxiety and drain it out of the nervous system. And then I was taken through a, um, a time where I learned how to heal deep frozen trauma. So the kind of trauma, I, I differentiate between kind of low level trauma where you're still carrying a wound from childhood, somebody hurt your feelings or whatever. And then the frozen trauma is more like the kind of thing that gets freezes you into patterns that you cannot, they, they seem inescapable, right? And they also kind of, um, they, I'll just say that they create the kinds of things that we call, uh, or they get diagnosed as PTSD. And as all this, as all this was going on, I was running a business, working on building my business, and what was driving me, what was driving my own, um, desire to go further and further with this healing work is that I had my own business challenges. I had my own big anxieties that were, you know, I had healed stuff um, on a personal level, but I was being challenged all the time in my business with all of the anxieties that I had really buried all those years through a compulsive behavior. So, what was happening for me was that I was really great at hiding behind my computer. I could write books and develop programs and, um, you know, and send emails, but I would cringe every time I did it, you know, like I'd have a big, you know, big anxiety attack every time I went to send an, you know, a, a, an email to my list or launch a new book or whatever. And so, in order to, in order to, you know, try to get past all of that or try to move beyond all of that or try to get free, I kept pushing my healing work further and further in terms of, you know, I'm my own laboratory. So I was constantly, constantly working on healing myself and trying to break through my own business challenges. And sometime around, 20, um, 2014 maybe, I started to see or notice that my clients around the world who were high-functioning women with uh, anxiety and, and compulsive behavior, I no started noticing that as I was working with them, they started to report that they were getting some money wins and, and great wins in terms of changing jobs and um, and making more money and things like that. And I didn't really think too much about it. And then what happened was in 2015, I joined a, um, a high-level mastermind and uh, with a bunch of coaches and healers. And I met this woman. And, you know, it wasn't a big deal, but I met this other coach, and she lived close to where I had just moved. And... I was on the phone with her one day and I just asked her out of the blue, would you like me to lift your money ceiling? And it had just come into my awareness that there were money ceilings and that, and I had just lifted my own. And so she said, yes. And I did that. And two months later, she sent me this incredible testimonial 
basically saying that lifting her money ceiling allowed her to bring in almost $20,000 in her wow. business. And then that same week, a, um, a long-term client that I had had lived across the world in another country um, had mailed me a magazine with her on the cover having built a $3.5 million real estate empire. The thing is, this shocked me because I knew she had been dabbling in real estate, but she was working a corporate job the whole time. And we didn't focus so much. We were focused on other things other than her side, <laughs> her side venture, right? But those two things came to me at the same time, and I started saying, oh, my God. Well, um, I began, money karma just came into my head, and um, I began to talk to the people in, in that high-level mastermind about clear your money karma, and when I did, I got a response from some of the, some of the other professionals and you know, entrepreneurs in, the, in that program. They were very interested in clear your money karma. And so I began to clear for a number of coaches, other healers, and they started sending me more testimonials like, you know, they made $20,000 from and credited, you know, some of my work for that win. Um, I do want to just mention that these were all people who were really in action in their own businesses. So okay. uh, it's not, you know, yes, healing can seem like magic, but right. you've got to be in action at the yeah. same time yeah. to really see the results. Yeah. Wow. So much there <laughs> for us to go into. So let's start with... I like to just make sure that we're on the same page with language. So let's go through some of the terms and phrases that you use, make sure that we're all on the same page with them. So you talked about um, a therapeutic healing that you experienced. So you had your own compulsive behavior that you were exhibiting. Is that right? And, and then, and obviously you came to the realization that I have to stop this. So you experienced some kind of transformation that helped you, deal with effectively that particular compulsive behavior. Is that right? That is right. Okay. I, um, I'll tell you a little bit about that. I yeah. actually, I took that behavior on when I was about 12 years old, 11 or 12 years old, basically to deal with, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family mm -hmm. and there was a lot of anxiety and uh, just a lot of trauma. And so I needed a way to cope with that so I took on that behavior and basically by this time I was 39 years old when I had the, the healing journey okay um, wow. and actually I had been through years of therapy I had tried human potential trainings and all kinds of things to try to resolve this and nothing worked wow. and what happened to me is that in 1994 I basically fell into a spiritual healing journey. And I want to say fell into it because it wasn't something that I consciously sought out. It was something that happened to me. And I came out of that experience. It took, it took a few months, but I came out of that experience free of the compulsion and feeling super free for, you know, some period of time after that. 
and I made a decision to stay on this healing journey because I wanted that level of freedom in every area of my life. That's been like my one, you know, the diehard decision that I made as a result of that. So compulsions, these are some kind of internal push, I'll call it, to repeat a pattern. Is that basically how a compulsion kind of works? Like an OCD kind of behavior? Is that right? Well, I, I, I'll talk to you about it from my experience. Mm -hmm. And the, I would say yes to that. I don't know about OCD. That wasn't, okay. that wasn't really my thing. But I was um, compelled to pull my hair out. And, right. and I would say that that was my way to self-medicate right to a great extent and of course it becomes an addiction in and of itself the, right. the 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 way to medicate became an addiction for me yeah. and so and so in order to heal it i had to heal addiction basically right um once i did what happened is that i didn't have that way to deal with the anxiety anymore and so I began to start to wrestle with anxiety to a you know a more con in a more conscious way and um, learned to use all of my tools and my own methods to resolve anxiety for myself yeah because it sounds to me like while you addressed that behavior that compulsive behavior <clears throat> you didn't really get to the root of the problem right the the issue that was creating your anxiety was still there is that right so you you kind of well, replaced you, you solved one problem but the other the real root of it was still lurking is that correct well in a way i mean i did certainly get to the root of why i took on compulsive hair pulling right however what i what took much longer was to get to the anxiety um, that, you know, I basically had lived with from childhood, right? From yeah, yeah. my ear earliest moments, I would say. Yeah. 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 Wow. And so uh, let's talk a little bit then about karma, because I think you, you alluded that you have a slightly different definition than the standard definition of karma. So can you talk about that, how you're defining it, how is it usually defined, and, and what's the difference between them? Sure. Unless I'm so, not getting that right. <laughs> sure. Um, so when I hear people talk about karma, I so often hear what goes around comes around. Like it's right. a punishment, right? It's a punishment from God or from the universe. Right. And uh, that's usually, I think, a pretty common thought about karma. Mm -hmm. For me and in my work, what I, what I see and what I have been shown is that karma are energies, often emotional energies, that are stuck to us on a soul level. And what I mean is they're energies of shame, of guilt, of sometimes anger, sometimes grief, and all of that bundled often with unworthiness feelings. And they're, they're basically what they are, energies that we could not allow, acknowledge and allow to pass through us. Because emotions, really, if we were, if we were 
able to deal with our emotions in a pure and healthy way, we would acknowledge them in the moment, but allow them to pass through. So to me, um, what I see is that whether from any moment before this moment in time, we have held on to these energies of shame and guilt and all of that, or even before this, you know, the moment of my birth, if I have held on to those energies beforehand, they are stuck to our soul and need to be released energetically. Um, they, we have a hard time on a soul level often. I'm not saying everybody does, but many people have a difficult time um, basically letting ourselves off the hook for things that we blame ourselves for. Mm -hmm. yes. So, you know, I am, you know, I am, I'm not a regressionist in terms of past life regression. That's not my, um, that's not my thing, but I am shown bits and pieces of what register as past lives. Um, and I sometimes have to negotiate with these parts in order for them to let the person off the hook or in order for the person to, to be able to let themselves off the hook. We, it's our nature, I guess, as humans to so often hold on to blaming ourselves for things and, and blaming ourselves for all kinds of things. And along with that comes a big bundle often of unworthiness feelings. Yeah, now, do, you, do you think that comes from childhood and our little immature brains thinking that we are the cause of so much that happens? I know that that tends to be something that you hear a lot that children will, uh, children of divorce will believe that if they had been better in some way, and I put better in air quotes, that the divorce wouldn't have happened. Or I know with me, I grew up in an abusive environment myself. And you, you, you know, I continuously heard that I was stupid, that I was worthless, that I was whatever. And I mean, eventually you believe it, right? At the little, little child's just sense of self, I don't know, is that strong to withstand the what feels like a, a 24 hour a day onslaught and goes on for years decades right right so yeah. i think it makes sense that a child an adult would eventually come to believe that they're on the hook for all of this stuff because some of us that's what we hear yes um i i I've experienced something similar to what you're talking about. And as I worked to heal it for myself, what I found out was that so much of this stuff from before I was me was bleeding into my present day experience. Yeah. And um, so we could call it past lives or we could, I don't know, we could just call it energies, but so often the reason how, how I view it is slightly different now. Now, I, I definitely saw it that way for many years that, you know, um, it was my childhood. But at some point, the floor, the bottom dropped out for me on my childhood. And I was taken to a place where I saw what happened before that. And so much of... Um, the trauma that I've experienced in this life 
what I believe was attracted by these energies, these soul level energies that I needed to have a way to get conscious of here and to, and to find a way to clear out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much of these challenging, um, these challenging, painful situations originate here, you know, originated in my lifetime, but an awful lot of them seem to have been connected, at least through the healing path, to things that I had to heal from before here. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And just listening to you, you know, I started to think about how, okay, if we're all just energy anyway, right? That's the, the nature of, of, of us. We're, we're energy. And for those of us who have childhood trauma, for me, my mother never wanted children. And I don't blame her, right? She never wanted children. She she has some level of trauma in her own childhood. There was there was certainly some abuse there. We've never really gotten the bottom of it. And she doesn't talk about it, but we suspect it, right? Mm -hmm. So so but there's just the whole emotional energy of I didn't want any of these kids. I don't want you. And she's carrying that around energetically. So, I mean, just in the, in the, even if you don't believe in the whole past life kind of thing, just the energy of that person. And I, I, I've actually seen something, and I'll, I'll look for this to include it in the show notes. I've seen some study that is talking about how what is outside of the mother and the energy of the mother influences, which again makes total sense, right? Influences yeah. the, the the fetus as the child grows. And why is that a stretch to believe if you believe that we are all energy? And why wouldn't that then her trauma becomes my trauma, becomes our trauma, and then on top of that. I came out and she still didn't want me and now she's really stuck with me and then there's all of that anger that then gets directed at the child. I mean, it, it, logically it makes sense. It's a sad, awful kind of thing to have happen, yeah. but it, it, it also explains, you know, in, in my little brain, why these things are cyclical for the most part because there's, it takes somebody to consciously tune into I don't like what I'm doing and and I had this experience and I need to heal from that so that I don't continue to carry it as a burden and I don't continue to infect it, other people sure with this and, yeah and I do think that kind of thing is passed down through the lineage right it, it's yeah. passed down from generation to generation you know um, and I also, um, there was something I was going to say when you started talking about that, that I want to try to pull back here because um, it's eluding me at this moment. But there was something really, um, there's something so important there because we also take on energies for people we love that don't belong to us. We, we want to unburden the people that we love, mm -hmm. right? And so... As kids, we definitely take on energies from our parents, from our siblings, all of that. And so a big part of my work is also helping people to release 
the energies of things that they feel and think are their own but don't belong to them. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, heard the phrase used, you know, don't do somebody else's work. It's right. not right. It's not conscious. We just do it. We just do it. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder if part of it is that or could come from, for those of us who have a deep rooted, I just heard Oprah refer to it as a disease to please, right? You become so eager to, as you say, take this burden off of someone else and adopt it as your own because we have such a need to please and we're almost trying to fix our own trauma by repairing somehow somebody else's. I don't know if that makes sense, but that... I know that that makes sense from kind of a psychological perspective, mm -hmm. but to me, I really tend to look at things through the soul level. Okay. And so for on a, you know, as souls, well, I, I, if we have time, I'd love to tell you a quick story about how I started to become aware of Go this. right ahead. Okay. So I had a really challenging marriage. You can, and you know, when you come out of a really traumatic, abusive childhood, you tend to repeat those patterns, right? So, uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> Unfortunately. I had a very challenging marriage. Yeah. And in the middle, or just after this transformational healing journey, while I was still in this really deep, deep inner place, um, on the, you know, in my, in my present day life at that point, my ex-husband, who is currently my ex-husband, now my ex-husband, um, he and I were just, we were so at odds with each other and not, you know, like fighting all the time and, and couldn't resolve anything. And one night I went to bed and, you know, in that moment before you fall asleep, you're in this kind of, I don't know what we, what we call that state, but yeah. I had a vision the, in my vision, what I saw was that I, um, I saw my then husband bald head. He didn't have a bald head in our real life, but I saw him kneeling at my feet and he was clothed all in white, like a white um, pants and a white shirt. And as I saw him, I, I looked down at myself and I saw that I was wearing this white gown. And I realized that he absolutely revered me, revered me. It was a soul level experience. And that what was happening in our present day life was just, a, it was an illusion. We were there serving one another in whatever way was happening. And it was a painful way, really, really painful way. But it was clear to me underlying all of that was how much he was there to serve me and it really woke me up to i think it was maybe the beginning of waking me up to this soul level stuff that i see all the time in my work and i see in my own life and how it colors or bleeds into all kinds of energies are bleeding in to our nervous systems, into our decision making, into our anxiety, into um, into our experiences at all the time. Um, 
I, you know, it was just that particular moment was so powerful and profound for me. Well, and I assume it then led you to take some kind of action in, in some way. It changed. It, it absolutely changed the way that I viewed the relationship on one hand. On the other hand, um, eventually I did, I did leave the relationship because there was a certain point when we just weren't, you know, we weren't good together. And I had to finally walk away from that. Um, we still, we, we're still friendly. We have a child together and we get along we get along much better now than we did before. Um, but it also really changed the way I see life and the way I see business and the way I work with clients. It's, wow. it's this whole underlying perspective that um, especially is, it's very present when I'm working with people to help them release their karma and release um, you know, release the kinds of things that are causing our blocks and our anxieties and, and all that stuff in, in life and in business. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's talk more about the work that you do in business because you said that you had people who were reporting these significant breakthroughs. Many of them were related to money. Can you talk about how karma influences our relationship with money and, and how it can block us? And, and then how does this work to release? Sure. Um, I think, um, I, again, I think I'll share another story of mine because it's the easiest way for me to express that inner experience mm -hmm. of it. So um, one big, big challenge that I had for Ever in my business until uh, until I broke through it was this experience of when I would I would never do an interview like this back then mm -hmm. I would never get on a stage unless I had you know unless it was my room with my audience and I was in control and even then I'd freak out <laughs> right um, whenever I would go into a sales call whenever I would try to offer some, make an offer to someone, it felt as if my solar, my power center would just fly away or drop onto the floor. Wherever it was going, it was gone. And for what drove me in my work was trying to get that to heal because you can imagine that trying to push your work forward with your power center dropping out all the time is pretty impossible. And, and when it was there, I could make really big, great strides, put out programs, do all this stuff. But when it was gone and it would go for vast periods of time, I was felt powerless, right? So what happened was that as I worked to heal it, eventually I was for me, and this is just my personal story, and then I'll tell you some others, but um, what happened to me was that I, that pushed me and pushed me to keep working on myself and to keep healing. Eventually, what happened for me is that I, he, I was guided to heal frozen um, trauma from childhood abuse, and a lot of it, and when I, <clears throat> excuse me, when I finally got to the bottom of that, 
I found two past life traumas that were pretty fast to clear. And my solar plexus, my power center came back and it has not left since. That's great. And that allowed me to come into interviews. It's allowed me to come into sales conversations from a totally different space. Completely and totally different space. Feeling at ease, feeling grounded, feeling like steps that I could never take before are effortless now. Now, is everything effortless? No, not necessarily. But, but really, it turned around my money situation. Because when you're in business and you're trying to make sales, right? I mean, we all have to. We all have to make a right. living, right? It, it doesn't even matter, the, in, in my opinion, the words that we say don't matter so much as the energy that we feel between, you know, from one to another. Mm -hmm. So when we go and have a sales conversation with a prospect, even more than our energy, I'm sorry, even more than our words, they're feeling our energy. And so that's always really informing the situation even beyond our words. So um, I did give you a story there, but now let me tell you a couple of things about, a, you know, a client or two. Okay. So I had this, um, I had this woman when a um, few years back, I think it was like in 2015, who she was a coach that I had met at a big, a large event, and she was having some money challenges, and she ended up private messaging me on Facebook one Sunday morning. And she asked me, you know, she, she was kind of in a panic, and she said, you know, would you help me? And so I agreed to talk to her about an hour or two hours later. And in that gap, I started getting downloads about her karma. It was, it was kind of fascinating and memorable because of what happened afterwards. But um, she, um, she called about, you know, we spoke a couple hours later, and in that conversation, she ended up joining one of my programs, and she got a bonus one-on-one -on -one healing call with me. I also told her about the karma that I had picked up on, and I did a fast clearing for her. So what happened was by, the end, by that evening, she had already gotten $900 like payment that she was not expecting. And she used her bonus call the following Friday, and she was already at a large event, uh, um, you know, a large business event, and she wanted to pick up a client there. And so she asked me to do her bonus call, clearing call, and we did it on Friday morning. And, you know, it, was a, it, was, it doesn't always happen like this, but it happened in this case. That I, did a, I did a call with her. I cleared more karma for her. And with, by the, I think it was by Saturday night, sometimes Saturday night, I got a private message from her telling me that she had picked up a $20,000 client who had already paid her. So she had already, you know, been paid for that and run the credit card. Crazy. Those kinds of fast wins can happen with this work. Do they always know? I'm not here to... Right you know, to, to make it sound like it's always like that. It's, it's like that often. And 
it's also, there are also times when it's not like that and the person has very deeply embedded layers like I've had to deal with, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but when, when it's cleared, what happens is, well, let me put it this way, before it's cleared, you know, we probably, most people listening could probably relate. It, um, especially, so, so let me talk about the entrepreneurial experience or business experience. You need to promote yourself in your business. And when you go to do that, it's like your head's in the game, but your body's going the opposite way, mm -hmm. right? And so what happens with this work is that I clear uh, about up to 80% of this, of our blocks aren't mindset. Even though you hear so much about mindset, up to 80% live in the nervous system. That's my world. Up to 80% of them live in the nervous system. And what happens is when I clear those sensations out, and sometimes there are no sensations, it's just soul level energies. Um, but when I clear those things, your body gets on the same page as your mind. And so it's, you move forward with ease and you go into those conversations and those business activities you don't have to manage your body, like you don't have to, you know, like push your way through. Yeah. You don't have to do all that because now your body and your mind are going in the same direction and they're not working at cross purposes. Does that make sense? It, it does. It, it, unfortunately, <laughs> it does um, because I think it's something that, um, I think women in general get so whether you you know you want to talk about it in terms of conditioning that we're exposed to as we navigate life and get bombarded with messages from the media, from those adults who are in authority over us, whether it's at school, it's in the workplace, we get these deeply conditioned patterns that make it so hard to, to break through. And I think that one of the things about entrepreneurism that doesn't get a whole lot of conversation is that you come face to face with your own crap. That's right. And, and that's like this dirty little secret. Nobody's going to tell you until you're out there and you go, why can't I do this? Why, why can't I do this? And, you know, people who, are, and I was one of them, who are great salespeople representing their organization or representing a product, suddenly you feel like it's me, it's all me, and, and people who are rejecting, saying no, are saying no to me and rejecting me. So therefore, I mean, this really is tied to shame, right? Because it's not that, well, maybe I didn't say that right, or maybe this offer is just not right for them. It's I suck. I am awful. And I am repellent, you know, or not worth working with. So I think that, yeah, there's somehow we've taken on this stuff. And I think it's, you know, as you say, it's, it's more important than your offer sometimes. It's this, this energy that it just gets us all twisted up. Yes. You know, as, like, like you, I came out of a corporate sales environment years ago. And when I got into my own, and 
even though I came out of a corporate sales environment, sales, I almost had a nervous breakdown when I went into sales, literally. Mm-hmm. It was, I was in my 20s, late 20s, I think, and I didn't take that job. I was, after I was in the job for, that I took for about a week, the president of the company said to me, well, we're abolishing your job and you can either go into sales or you can go look for a job. And I said, okay, I'll go into sales. And I literally was like, almost had a nervous breakdown over it. When I went, eventually, when I went into my own business, the same kind of thing happened. I was already so anxious about sales. And then to have to sell yourself, right? Right. It's, it's awful. Unless, unless you are clear energetically, in which case it turns into a pleasure. It's a totally different experience. Um, and to, to go from like white knuckling it all the time in sales to the experience of, wow, I can fumble the words and it doesn't even make a big difference because really we're all reading each other's energy anyway. Right. And so there is a piece to it like P-E-A-C-E, there's peace in the sales conversation for me now, yeah, and there never was before. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, there is much more for me than there used to be because there was just so much self-judgment going on yeah. and and such a lack of confidence because tied up around this, I suck anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to work with me. I mean, I, you know, so it's that when you bring that baggage, that sense of unworthiness into the room with you and into the conversation, it's not going to end well just because of that energy and that, that baggage that you're bringing in. So do you think that all then of the sales and money issues we'll say that we have are they all from our earliest life or and connected to some trauma or did are they just misjudgments that we've made about things the way i see it are um i guess the way i see it is that there are many many layers and levels And so when I'm looking at somebody's picture, um, I look at it layer by layer, and I'm kind of shown this, like, tangled knot of of Mm -hmm. threads for each challenge, you know, for each trigger, I am shown a tangled knot of threads. And then what I do is I go and I I clear it out energetically layer by layer by layer. Um, I don't. It's all tangled up together. The present, the past, the childhood stuff, the, um, the grievances that we still hold on to, it's all tangled together. So money challenge, for example, it might have nothing to do with money. In fact, I once had, um, I had a client who healed a relationship issue. She had a money challenge but she healed the relationship issue. Working on healing the relationship issue catapulted her sales, like astronomically. Okay. It was 
because it's all tangled up together. It's a lot of how we're dealing with our relationships. We might be focused on a relationship problem, but really the money problem's going on. It's just not our top priority. Yeah, I remember I used to work in HR the first third of my professional life. And I remember back in the day, there was always a statement that people would say to employees, and I had to say it too, that you should you know, leave your problems at the door when you walk in and don't, don't bring it to work kind of a mentality. And as I got older and hopefully wiser, I began to see how completely stupid that statement is because how can somebody, I mean, if, if you repress that and suppress the emotions that you're dealing with and you bring that, and then you, you show up at work because you can't leave that piece of you home. So you show up at work, just energetically, you've got a person who was under stress anyway, and now you've, you've brought them into what is naturally a stressful place because their economic lives are on the line every single minute of every day. How, why would we expect our workplaces to be peaceful if that's what people are being told and that's the expectation they're coming into them with? Well, I want to throw a little, even a little extra soul level piece in there. The people that we encounter in our lives, it's not an accident that they're there. We right. have karma that has to be resolved right. or, or that our spirits want us to get resolved in, you know, with people that we work with, with people, our family members. Yeah. There's a, such a bigger, there's, there's a bigger backdrop here than we tend to pay attention to. And so I, I know what you mean. Uh, when I worked in, when I worked in the corporate world, there were some people who, you know, you, you knew you had to talk to them to get your job done, but you just, man, I, and I can see him right now in my mind's eye. I, right can, now. I can see him. I remember his name. Yes. I dreaded having to go to him because it was always like, oh. I felt like I was beating my head against the wall, right? It was such a challenge. Whatever I needed, he was just going to make it so difficult to get, right. right? Right. Now I realize I had karma with him. There were energies, there were energies beyond what I could see that were driving our interactions. Yeah, yeah. It, it, when, and when you of stuff it's you know it's eye-opening yeah it, it is it is and each person has their own issues and it's, I mean yeah I can think now that there are at least three women that I worked for that were my you know I reported directly to them they were horrific and they were just variations of my mother in in all honesty I mean these people were horrific one woman was so bad, I walked, I walked off the job. I'm yeah. in my 30s. I mean, it's that, come on. And I told her, I said, I'm not standing here another minute and listening to you scream at me like this. When you decide you want to talk to me like I'm an adult, I'll come back to work. But I, I had some place to go anyway. I was a recruiter. And I used to, to spend part of my, my week sometimes off-site. Like, I'm going to that college I'll be back tomorrow, but if you pull this shit, then I'm leaving too. So 
but yeah, it only took, you know, years later of reflection to recognize that each one of them is a different version of my mother. I had one, one woman I worked for was yelling at me about something. Now, I did not say I was a doctor. I did not say that I was finding a cure for cancer or that we were solving the Middle East peace problem. I worked in a casino hotel in human resources. What's there to get upset about, right? She's yelling at me so hard, ferociously, she was jumping up and down. Wow. Who does that, right? My mom, because she was nuts, right? My mom would do crazy stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely would lose total control. But it was only after, because, of course, you know, I was totally triggered in that moment, and I'm just, like, watching this loony in front of me be so grossly unprofessional, for one. Um, only later did I, decades later, did I really realize that, wow, was that my mom in that sure. little display? Yeah. yeah. So we, we, we are mirrors for one another, right? And I will say that on a soul level, she was serving you out of yeah. wanting to bring this pain to, you, to the surface so that you could find a way to resolve it. Right. Right. It's it's a crazy thing when you start to see that other layer, you know, it's just yeah. a wild thing. Yeah, so let's talk briefly about the issue of charging for our services, which I think is another anxiety producing moment and even if you can feel comfortable in the sales process, right? At some point, you have to tell people how much they have to pay, right? Right. And I personally believe that there is some connection that so many of us have to our own personal worth and that this is part of what energetically gets us twisted up that, that I can't charge, you know, I tell myself I can't charge X amount because who am I? You know, I'm a big loser. I'm that person that my mom said was stupid. So how can I possibly charge X amount of money and think anybody's going to give it to me? Is there this emotional connection that you see to pricing? Is How does pricing fit in here? And how do we get past it to the point where not only can we have this sales conversation smoothly, I can say this is how much it costs to work with me and feel good about what I charge. Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, some of what I do with my clients and students is that I read their energy um, and we have a conversation about fees, right? Because regardless of what you are charging, your energy has a number associated with how much right. you're aligned right. with charging. Yeah. Now, I don't tell people what to charge. I say, this is what your energy says. And... I believe that if we are way out of alignment with um, what we're charging, like way high or way low, or within some you know range of high or low, that our prospect is going to feel that dissonance, and they're going to. And the easiest way for them to address that dissonance is to say, "It's too much money," or right. whatever. Right? That's the easiest way. They don't know how to talk about the energy. Right. So, yeah. But here's what I see. As I clear for people, as I clear through these issues, their own set point of 
their, you know, what they're aligned for fee-wise, it goes up. Okay. And so I've had clients who tripled their fees and tripled their businesses accordingly because we cleared their karma, we cleared their anxiety, you know, we cleared through all of these kinds of things so that their fees could naturally rise and so that they could not cringe or choke when they started to have the conversation about fees. And they also may have been trying to sell into a market where people don't want to pay. And so they would get realigned and, and refocus their energies in a market where people were happy to pay. Yeah, that's, I think that's an interesting conversation that often I see and, you know, stop me if I'm overstating the case here, but often I will see somebody who has this great high-end offer, but they're offering it to people who would just never pay that, right? Never never pay that so it's and then they tell themselves a story that well I suck or I I can't do this Uh, there's something wrong with the offer no you're having a conversation with somebody who's never gonna pay this for their own reasons whether they see themselves as being unworthy which is a whole nother story Um, so it's it's not you it's it's them to a degree or or who you are attracting is that what you would say i i would say it's a couple things okay if you you know if somebody continues to show up to sell their their stuff in a market where clients are saying no you know no it's too much money or no it's this or no it's that right you have to say, okay, why do I keep putting myself in that position, right? So there's something right. in me that needs healing, right, or clearing or whatever. Right. But there's also, um, you know, then the whole thing about the prospect piece is a whole nother story, right? right. So I think, I think basically people are mirrors of us. More, more often than not, people mm-hmm. are mirrors of us, and so they're mirroring our insecurities. They're mirroring our sense of lack. They're mirroring our, yeah. um, you know, I can never get their feelings, right? Right, right. So, so that's an interesting statement, and I wonder if, and I just did a, a little Facebook Live for a group that I coach, I wonder if there's, so, okay, so I had this situation that I think a lot of people experience as they grow, where we're on this this path, this journey to get our business to the next level of success, whatever that next level is that we define, right? Mm -hmm. So we're on this journey, and of course, we have friends, family, colleagues who are part of our path, right? As we keep going, in order to get to that next level of success, sometimes those people can't come with us. That's right. And I think that's a whole nother issue, right? Because I think that we are so attached. They're nice people. We love these people. But we, we, and we want them to be with us. 
as we continue this journey, but some of them just are not because they're walking their own path and they're going over in this direction rather than in that direction with you. And I think that can be painful. I totally agree. And sometimes it's not forever, even though it feels like it's, it's forever. Not, yes. Right. Right. And we tell ourselves that story too, that I'm going to leave you and you're, it's forever. Right. So I've had those moments. I've had those in my personal life. They happen throughout life, right? Not just right. in business. Right. right. But I've had those moments happen. And I think it's been so very painful at the time. But eventually, not with everybody, it doesn't always get repaired, right? Some right. people right. you are letting go of forever. Some people are letting go of us forever. Yeah. But sometimes... People have to go through their own growth in their own way so that they can then come back together. Right. Right? So, yeah. and, and there's no way to know. Like, wouldn't it be great if we all, if, if everything came with a man, a manual? <laughs> I wish. Right? Yeah. So that yeah. we really understood that, okay, this person's going off to do what she has to do for three years. Right. And See then they'll come back together. That happened right. to me with my daughter. Um, okay. It was heartbreaking yeah. because she was, she was differentiating. She was growing up. She was separating from me as an adult, as an right. adult. Right. And it took three, three and a half years to, for it to resolve. And they were painful. It was, it was excruciating in, in many ways. And what I was able to do is to keep working on, on clearing my own energy and my own challenges to try to clear out whatever garbage was between us, right? And that's what I think we can do is that we can, in whatever way makes sense to us, show up every day and try to ask, what can I do within myself? Right. to clear the way so that I'll be okay either way and and maybe we can reconnect at some future point right right that's really all we have to hope for right so we'll deal with our own crap <laughs> and and heal ourselves and be ready for that person in the event that their journey brings them back to us right right and yeah. maybe maybe separating is the perfect solution energetically, right? We don't know everything that's, you know, happening. We also don't know everything that's happening to us with our clients, right? Or, you know, why does a particular client leave at a certain point? Well, maybe they are, maybe it's a great thing because they actually graduated, right? And right. they're moving on. Right. Or, or maybe our karma with them is complete. Right, because that is a fact here too. We just we don't see yeah. it all all yeah. the time, and and we just want that control and that that clear knowledge of okay, if I do this, that's going to happen, and all will be well in the end. It's the unknown that I think can be so scary, and that we can all have such a hard time dealing with because we tell ourselves a story. I, I was at an event ages ago and uh, when I worked for the casino hotel and I 
actually heard this consultant talk who was so smart and and she talked about how um people in the absence of information people fill in the blanks with negativity and yeah we make up these stories ourselves to try to rationalize or deal with whatever is this unknown and so often the story is a negative one it's not what we just said painted this rosy picture of we're both going to walk our path and we're going to do our work and we're going to come back together at some joyful point when we're both ready no it's <laughs> it's that we're going to suffer and this awful stuff is going to happen and you're leaving because i'm this person who's not good enough and it tends to be this negative story yeah i think and and i think for people who have experienced you know uh, rough childhoods i think we tend to do that even more I think than the maybe the average person because it's easier to paint our worst case scenario in our heads because we think that's going to somehow actually be less painful than the than the not knowing right living in the not knowing is right. for people who have experienced trauma um, and and rough times living in the unknown is actually more anxiety producing it is then painting the worst case scenario in our heads at least we can kind of anchor ourselves in that worst case scenario right 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 but the yeah. unknown is hugely anxiety producing yeah i agree one of the things that was so upsetting about uh, my abuse journey was the unpredictability of it right there was no rhyme or reason so you know you would try this maybe this won't this won't trigger it. No, it does. Well, then I try that and that maybe that won't trigger it. No, it does. And then, then, but then it wouldn't always do it. So yeah, it's that, that unpredictability and knowing that something rotten is going to happen. I'm, I'll brace myself for it. Right. I'll brace it. I'll, I'll, I'll survive through it and I'll get a respite till the next time comes. But I'll, I, I, yeah, you almost want that rhythm of this will make it happen you'll have this quiet and then it'll come back and you'll just be able to surf your way out of it somehow. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can go on for hours and days about all this. People will be happy to know we won't though. So <laughs> why don't you let everybody know where they can go for more information about you and, and the work that you do and, and how they can get in touch with you. They can get in touch with me at my website at abbyroar.com. That's A B B Y. R-O-H-R-E-R.com. Awesome. And of course, we'll have that in the show notes, along with all the other places where Abby is. She's, of course, all over social media, and we'll have links to all of that so you can track her down and, uh, and to her website, of course, so you can get right to her without having to go, how did you spell it again? So no worries there. <laughs> so Abby, thanks so much for spending this time with us today and sharing this great thought-provoking information and insight. Thanks so much for having me. It was such a pleasure having this conversation because, you know, you can't have this conversation everywhere. So <laughs> it's can't. awesome. And you have a, a, an awesome audience that is into this, you know, this deeper level of conversation. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. All right. Thanks. We're done. You rock.
Thank you. It was great talking to you. I had a blast. Thank you. Thank you. Now, I enjoyed it myself. I appreciate that. And so what will happen now is I'll figure out where this goes in the, in the calendar, and I'm, I'm reworking my agenda right now. So you never know. I might decide to move it up depending on the other episodes that I have coming, and I'm, I'm thinking that that might very well happen. Um, but I will be back to you and let you know when that will happen. Um, okay. Usually the week before, I'll reach out to you and say, hey, your show is definitely going to air on this date. And that way, if you have any last-minute changes to any links or you got something going on that you want me to promote inside the body of the show notes, I'm happy to do that. Awesome. Um, and uh, the day the episode comes out, I will reach out to you that morning, usually by 9 o'clock Eastern, and I'll share all of the links that you need to leverage it in whatever way you want. I'll also include artwork and suggested posts or tweets if you want to use them to share it, but it's not something that I ask people specifically to do. If you feel so moved, awesome. Uh, and that's it. Okay. Will you let me know if you have everything you need for me because I'm not, I'm not 100% sure because I short-circuited your normal process a little bit. As long as you have it in Facebook, believe me, that's always the best best okay. thing to do with me anyway. So not All a problem. Right. But yeah, if I have any other questions, I'll reach out to you closer to okay. airtime. Awesome. Thanks All a right. lot. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that. Abby is just a joy to talk with. Now, if you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe, either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, the Google Play Store, or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel. When you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com fans, you'll get episodes delivered right to you each week along with corresponding worksheet for that episode. In addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you sell your services, even though you hate to sell, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as reflection exercise, no alcohol needs to be involved, don't drink and drive, and don't overindulge. So that reflection exercise is to really think about the beliefs that you have about marketing, sales, and money. What story or stories are you telling yourself that could be holding you back? And what's your history with money that could be getting in your way? And your action step. Raise your rates. That's it. Raise your rates. You know you're undercharging. So pick a number you feel comfortable with and increase your rates by that. And then just add 10 to 20% to that number. Studies have shown that we reach goals that are a comfortable stretch for us, but that we really believe are achievable. So you want it to be a slight stretch for you, but not so big that your inner critic is pointing out that you're never going to get that much because you're not good enough. And you don't want your mini-me to be freaking out and so scared that you can't say the price with confidence. But if she does start to get scared, then you want to talk to her in the third person and let her know that you feel good about the new price and you're going to, to be offering great value to people. Remember, mini-me is just afraid, and she's afraid that you'll be rejected and get disappointed. And your inner critic, or the inner bully, as I prefer to think of it, is really driven to scare you into playing small and not shining your light for others. Don't let them do that. 
And if you like this episode, please share it with your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or you can subscribe to the video version on my YouTube channel. When you subscribe on my website at winninganderson.com fans, you'll get episodes emailed to you each week along with a corresponding worksheet for that episode. In addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. Remember, if you're an introverted solo professional or someone with introverted leanings and you're ready to get support to reach your business goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to WinnieAnderson.com slash join the group and join my Courageous Success Facebook group. It's for introverted, mission-driven entrepreneurs, and it's where I share tips and strategies to help you choose faith over fear and take consistent action to achieve your goals. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.